Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast with your host, Brian Eisenhower. This podcast is brought to you by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC provides customized and structured coaching and training programs for real estate agents and team leaders, representing many of the top producing agents in North America. ICC also offers broker and owner consulting on agents recruiting, training, and retention. For more info, visit EisenhowerCoaching.com or find us on Facebook. You use the disc in everything because it creates a little bit of tolerance where people are just more appreciative and understanding of other people. So it does a lot of good in the world, you know, because, you know, different situations call for different profiles and different behaviors. Let's talk about negotiating with behavior in mind. Okay. And when we talk about negotiating with behavior in mind, this is like Jedi warrior stuff. If you can get down assessing other people's behavior, and we've already talked about mirroring, right? And using a mirroring technique to mirror another person's behavior. We've talked about using a needs analysis to learn about their wants, their needs, their motivations. So when we, and we do that by asking questions, right? So we've talked about doing a needs analysis to ask questions, to learn, to listen, to get them to explain what they need in a negotiation. Then they're gonna do a lot of talking, right? And then we can see how they act and we can, you know, cause they're gonna be displaying their communication style. And then we can actually mirror that back. And, it, it, and when they display their communication style, they're gonna, they're gonna kind of reveal their behavioral profile. And once we and once we can understand and identify that behavioral profile, that'll actually give us a ton of insight, if you're aware of it, on how they want to be communicated with. And if we can communicate with them in the way they want us to, if we can do that, if we can click with them that way, then all of a sudden we're gonna we're gonna bond and we're gonna appear on the same side as them, and it won't be an adversarial negotiation with an opponent. It'll turn more into a two people putting an agreement together with the same goal in mind. Okay, and that's what assessing behavior does. So when we talk about behavior, what do I mean? And this is really important. I like to talk mostly, especially in this sense, about uh, the DISC behavioral assessment. I think a lot of you are familiar with, but that doesn't mean you should not be you know, hearing the rest of this because how it applies in negotiations is very different. And there's lots of behavioral assessments out there all over the place. And, but most of them are for job roles. Okay, like probably the most famous one is the Myers-Briggs, right? You know, the Myers, that's a great behavioral assessment if you want to determine if someone's good for a job or what careers might be good for you or, you know, where your strengths strengths and weaknesses are for certain things. And there's a lot of, you know, personality tests out there that are different than behavioral assessments that tell you a lot of personal, you know, insights about your personality based upon answers you have to questions that are more thorough and more accurate than the DISC behavioral assessment. But the reason I like the DISC, first and foremost, above all of them, for my purposes, is because I can use the DISC to determine what someone else is without having them take an assessment. That's why I like it the most. And that's why it's the highest 
and most frequently used behavioral assessment in the world is because I can tell you, I can usually talk to someone with my experience for a small period of time and, and determine what behavioral profile they are without having them take an assessment, right? For example, if a real estate agent's gonna go on a listing appointment, it might be awkward before you secure that listing, especially if you're competing with other agents, to require them to take a DISC behavioral assessment before you meet with them so that you can adjust your presentation properly. That might be weird, it might be awkward, but if I know what I'm doing, I might be able to speak to them over the phone for 20 minutes and be able to ascertain for myself what their behavioral profile is and then adjust my presentation accordingly without them even being aware of it. That's why I like the DISC. It's not getting into this, this behavioral assessment's better than that behavioral assessment or et cetera, et cetera. It's because it's the only one that is simple enough that I can actually utilize without actually taking the assessment. If you're converting a sign call, it's kind of hard to have every one of those take an assessment before you carry on with the conversation on the phone. DISC, you can do that. As long as you know the profiles, you know how to behave with them, which we're gonna talk about today, you can quickly adapt your communication style. Because that's what DISC is, it's really about communication. At its core, behavior is communication. It's how you talk, you know, it's how you speak, it's your voice inflections, it's your rate of speech, it's your tonality. It's all those things we talked about when we discussed mirroring. Except I can do it and know how to do it at a higher level if I know their behavioral profile. Then I don't have to wait for them to do it before I parrot it right back at them. I can actually know what profile they are and just adjust my entire persona and communication style to match what I know that behavioral profile would like, okay? But before we get into that, I wanna back up here and tell you a little bit about the disc so you have some faith in it. Um, just so you know, it was developed a long time ago. Um, probably the, it was first conceived um, by a psychologist actually in America um, named Marston. And he actually was, uh, he actually invented one of the earliest prototypes of a lie detector test. He's a kind of a brilliant man. He actually created the comic book character, Wonder Woman. I mean, the guy's done a bunch of stuff. Uh, he was clearly a very dynamic, uh, dy dynamic guy, but he studied like crazy. He wrote a book in 1928. That's how far it goes back um, on the emotions of normal people. And that's what it was called, the emotions of normal people. And that's when he first found that people express their profiles, communicate to other people in four different behavioral types. Number one is the D behavior which stood for dominance. It also could be referred to as direct or a driven. That's your D profile, right? And then there was the I profile, which originally was inducement, um, which also has been known as influence and evolved into influence over the time, right? And then there was S, which originally started out as submission, but then it became known as steadiness and security. And then we got C, which was compliance, still is compliance. Okay. And hence DISC became DISC, right? Inducement became influence and submission became steadiness. And it's normal to encounter lots of different variations within a DISC because a whole, I mean, it wasn't copyrighted. Everybody uses it. They make different words and different terms and slightly different meanings to, to the four 
there's always four quadrants and they always start with a D, I, S, and C, but sometimes they use different words over the time because it's been expanded out by various other scientists over the year, right? But do understand behavior is different than personality like I alluded to before. They are two very different things. Personality, they tend to, you know, people tend to confuse it with Myers-Briggs tests and stuff like that. Understand with behavior, we don't know their, you know, people's childhood past, their morals, their ethics, their character traits. We don't know how behavior comes to be when we talk about behavior. That's more personality stuff. We're talking about how they express themselves right now, which quite frankly, that's all I care about in communication and mirroring and negotiating. It's here's how it is right now. Here's how they like to communicate. Here's how they like to express themselves right now. Okay. So behavior is more of an activity, an actual occurring activity right before your eyes than personality is. Behavior is about what we do and how we act today in our everyday lives, not how it came to be over time, right? It's how we communicate when we talk, when we write, through our hand gestures, what we wear, what we drive. It's what can be, you know, what's on your walls. It's what can be observed and described. It's more tangible and discernible than personality, okay? There are one, you know, even though personality traits can be a wonderful insight as to who we are, behavior is likely what we would do in a given situation. It's, it's the activities that we prefer to do right now. It's our way of communicating, which is far more important and beneficial to us in real estate and negotiating in particular. Like I said, the disbehavior is accessible. We don't need to have people take the test to be able to identify what someone's disc profile is if you're trained at it, okay? It's also pretty cheap if you do wanna have someone take a test. All ICC clients, they get their own personal disc link to send to people, but you can go on a lot of places online and found, find a little bit more watered down versions you can use for free out there. So it is what it is. You don't need to have a test. You can start mirror and matching behavior if you can get a pretty good read on what they are by the way that they are actually talking. And we're gonna show, I'm gonna teach you how to do that, how to be able to identify behavior. Like when you're talking to someone, how you can quickly see what they might be, what's the fastest way to do that. Um, it's pretty cool, actually. I use it all the time. In fact, I can't help but use it these days. Um, it's that, you know, it's that type of deal where it's just my mind's always clicking and I can kind of see what they are, whether I have the energy or the desire to actually modify my behavior to make them feel more comfortable. That, you know, that remains to be seen in each given instance and, and conversation. But when I'm really focused, I know I better do it because that, that's the highest level of customer service you can provide to another person, is you modify your whole communication style to match theirs so they feel much more comfortable, right? Otherwise, I'm breaking rapport with them and having them work harder to keep up with my rate of speech or slow down to my rate of speech. If I just talk just the way they talk, that's the easiest. I'm on the same bandwidth, the same wavelength as them. So it makes it easy. Um, and again, before we jump into that, I do want to say from looking at the importance of behavior, understand behavior just is, it doesn't change a lot. Once you turn about 25 years old, you've kind of had enough life experience where typically you know who you are and generally speaking, what you like and don't like to do. And it doesn't really change. 
you know, maybe until retirement age. I mean, your drive might go down if you're a D when you're thinking about retiring. But through all your, you know, working, you know, main, you know, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, etc. Generally speaking, you are what you are. I mean, it would take some very traumatic life altering event for you to change your core behavioral. And I'm not talking like a divorce or something like that. I'm talking like life shattering, borderline lobotomy type of type of activity for you to change who you are and the way you behave and the activities you like to do versus don't like to do. So throughout those years, generally speaking, you are what you are. I know a lot of people don't like what they are for whatever crazy reason. They try to say there's something else and modify their behavior with the hopes that someday that uncomfortable behavior will become natural and they will change who they are on the disc profile, which is absurd to me. The key is knowing what you are. That's productive. And then getting good at flexing out of your behavior for long periods of time so you can match other people's behavior that's different than yours. That's the skill set is how good are you at flexing out of your natural behavior to mirror someone else's for extended periods of time. The longer you can hold your breath this way and be out of behavior is what creates a higher skill set for someone in sales and or leadership especially when negotiating because oftentimes we get impatient when we negotiate too many back and forths you don't like that in between i want to get this deal done and you break rapport you jump back into your natural behavior and everything blows up and then you make some stupid ju justifications to yourself well i was just tired of that anyway that clearly wasn't going to work where someone else that had more flexibility in their behavior more patience could have gotten it together happens all the time. They just declare it a failure and then they declare their actions of quitting too early or their inability to hold their breath as a reason to throw in the towel on those negotiations. I'm over it and I'm justified in being over it. And here's why, quite frankly, you just couldn't hold out. So that ability to flex out and, and, and stay in there for a long period of time is what matters. Okay. The, the, the thing with negotiations is typically we have different perspectives in different contexts. So we're actually adversarial at the core on a negotiation, or at least initially. Whereas if you're flexing out of behavior to mirror and match an engineer and you're a D behavior in a listing appointment, that's different because you both have the same goal. So you might have a longer endurance, a longer flexibility because you're providing customer service in a listing appointment, as opposed to a negotiation where oftentimes it kind of can feel like an argument. So people throw in the towel a little bit quicker on negotiation and it's harder to flex your behavior and mirror and match a, a, a different behavioral style for a longer period of time in a negotiation as opposed to mirror and matching based on behavior in a listing appointment, right? So it's during those moments of stress and frustration that often occurs from a negotiation because it's adversarial and oftentimes one person gets heated or frustrated or short or whatever or indecisive and that can be frustrating. And when, when things get stressful or frustrating, that's when people revert back to their natural behavior, okay? So people's natural behavior shows when they're stressed or frustrated. Because generally speaking, we all act like an S behavior, is what I call it, the way that Hollywood has taught us to act. We're all together, we're cool, we're calm, we're collected, we're steady, we're even keel. 
That's how the S steadiness behavior acts. And we all try to be that way until we get stressed out. Then we all behave a little bit differently when we're stressed or frustrated, okay? Flexing out of behavior like that is what's hard. And understand the minute we revert back, we break rapport with a person with a different profile than us. So the strength in this, it doesn't matter who you are, it's everything about how well you can flex out of your behavior for extended periods of time to match someone else's behavior and mirror them, okay? So let's talk about the behaviors first. And, and we're gonna do that by talking about the negotiating tendencies of the different profiles, how they tend to negotiate, if that makes sense, okay? So to do that, I'm gonna show you something here. Okay, this is our disbehavioral assessment chart here, okay? And you can see we've got four quadrants on the chart. And on these four quadrants, you can see the D behavior in the top left, the I behavior, the top right, the S behavior, bottom right, and the C behavior over here in the bottom left, okay? And as we move through these, um, you know, we'll, we'll quickly talk about what they are as we flow through them. You can see on here, first and foremost, with the D behaviors, these are your, these are your direct, dominant, blunt, um, they always say, I will do it. They're motivated by a challenge. They're competitive as heck, right? You tell them you can't do it or this other person's doing it. They're gonna wanna compete, even if it doesn't mean money. And if you are talking money, they wanna know the bottom line. How much will I make? Get to the point, skip the peas, skip the carrots, get me right to the steak. Bottom line it for me, bottom line it. I don't wanna hear all your rationale, all your reasons. A D behavior wants you to start with a thesis sentence, okay? And when I mean a thesis sentence, I mean, I don't know if you guys are into writing, but a thesis says, here's what I'm going to say in more detail. It's like, I believe you should do this. And the next five pages are why. You don't bury the lead at the very end with the D behavior. You get straight to the bottom line, then you explain the why, or they will not listen to you the whole way around. Okay. So that's the key. Here, all right. So that's your D. They move very, very, very quickly. Very quickly. They move fast. They move quick. They're in a rush. Their rate of speech is as fast as it goes. Their biggest fear, and it's because their biggest fear is being taken advantage of or you wasting their time. That, I mean, they, they value their time. They do not like their time wasted. They do not like a D all by itself does not like small talk and they don't wanna lose. They don't wanna be taken advantage of. They don't ever wanna lose in a negotiation. So you must make a D feel like they win, right? They can get frustrated very, very quickly and they will show it. They always ask what, what do you need me to do? What are you after here? What's going on? Bottom line, okay? From a negotiation tendency with a D, they're usually the hardliner, tough negotiator, okay? So they, they tend to be that. They're, they're like that hardliner, tough negotiator, they tend to gravitate to that style. They have a hard time with patience. They don't want a lot of back and forth. Too much back and forth with the D will actually have a tendency to drive them crazy. Because I want to get this done. So if you can just quickly make them feel like they've won the negotiation, you're better off, right? They like to decide on the spot. 
right then and there. They don't want to check with anybody else. They often don't check with their client. They don't check with other people. They just want it done. So because of it, they'll decide right on the spot, right? A trick with a D is to let them make the most important decisions first, right? So you throw a few, you throw a few little easy ones out there. So where are we going to talk? Do you want to talk by Zoom in person or by phone? Um, you know what I mean? You you give them a, a few gimmies, a few easy things to negotiate. Like, well, what about the barbecue in the backyard? Do your clients want that or do I want that? You know, because if we really want to negotiate on price, you give them some easy ones, they get some easy wins. D's like to win. If they can just feel like a D never thinks they've ever lost a negotiation. They think they've won every negotiation. And if they didn't win one or didn't get something to put together, it's because, you know, it couldn't be done or it wouldn't have been good had they have. That's the D. There's a lot of ego there. A lot of ego there. Okay. And I know I'm a D. So if that makes you feel better, I can rip on D's. I can rip on anybody, as you will soon see. <laughs> I take full license <laughs> to be very, very candid. Okay. So give them some, and don't ever challenge their authority. Don't ever say they don't know what they're talking about. Don't ever act like they don't have a lot of experience. Don't ever, ever, ever chop at them because then you will break rapport and they will not be working alongside with you. They will become adversarial to you. And it's much harder to get a winnable negotiation with someone who's battling against you. So don't ever attack their authority. Always make them feel like they have won. Okay? Always. Okay? So let's jump back to our chart. Now I'm going to talk about the I behavior over here. This is your influencer. This is your prototype real estate agent. They love people. They're networkers. So they make lots of contacts naturally. Okay? They're high. They talk very fast like the D. Except their main fear is rejection. They don't like to be rejected. They don't like to be turned away, which is where prospecting becomes hard eyes because they get a lot of rejection when you prospect. They just can't handle a whole heck of a lot of it. But they're very positive people otherwise. They're very much, you can do it. You can do it. They, they, they're everybody's cheerleader. They're positive people. They're bubbly. Uh, they have a lot of emotion. They have a lot of voice inflection. They go up and down in their voice a lot. They love to be recognized and flattered. So remember that if you're negotiating with an eye, let them know the way you feel about them. Let them know they're great and it's an honor to be working with them. And, and, and you know, that's not wasted on an eye. That would drive a D nuts. So don't do that because that's just a waste of time with a D. But with an eye, if, if they've got a lot of eye behavior in there, understand that they do want to hear that, and that goes a long way. Now understand, together, this is an aggressive and quick combination, the I and the D. They're aggressive and quick. Because remember, people aren't just one profile. Oftentimes, like a DI is very different than somebody that has an I followed by a D, which means their I is a little bit higher than their D. So an ID is going to move really quick, but be a little bit more positive and bubbly. A DI is going to be a little bit more to the point, a little bit more blunt and not quite so positive and bubbly. Okay. So that is your I. With the I, you always want to stay, when you're negotiating, stay very positive in the negotiations, stay very humorous, chuckle at things that you say, laugh, be humble, build lots of rapport beforehand with an I. Try to find out people and things that you know in common before you get into the tough negotiations. 
build that rapport. Small talk is wonderful that way. So don't rush into the nitty gritty in the bottom line with an eye. Try to establish a social relationship with them. And a great way to do that is by identifying other people that you have in common. If you defy, if you have other friends or acquaintances in common, you know, then, you know, they're going to feel comfortable with you and the relationship goes to another level because they don't want to look like a jerk when you guys know someone in common together. So with an eye, spend time. If they're, you know what I mean? I will talk about how to identify them, but if you think you're dealing with an eye, that's when it's good to recognize them, flatter them, um, let them know that you respect them and try to build rapport with them before we get into negotiations as quick as humanly possible, okay? Eyes are big people, people. They're high, high level networkers, all right? So then after that, if we move it, you know, outside the eye, then we're going to talk about the S really quick. These are your steadiness people. These are steady, secure people. They are also people people. These two sides, in fact, if you combine them, they're all about people. Whereas this side is not about people, okay? These are very thorough task-oriented people. These over here are very people people, okay? They are very much all about people. The difference between the two is the eyes are kind of like social butterflies. They don't go deep with anybody. They'll work a room. They're not going to spend too much time with one person. You know, when you're in a big old cocktail party and you're talking to an eye, they're talking to you and they love it, but they're looking over your shoulder. They're breaking eye contact because they see other people they want to talk to too. They just can't sit still. Whereas the S is a little bit different. They're going to gravitate to a corner of our room with one person, maybe two, the entire party and go deep with them. In fact, they're gonna go so deep, they might exchange phone numbers, they might go to lunch next week. They get into deep relationships quick. The prototype real estate agent from a natural behavioral standpoint is the IS or the SI, because this is a game of people. The more people you know, the more contacts you make, the more contacts you make, the more clients you're gonna get. So I's and S's and S's and I make up the bulk of real estate agents. So if you're negotiating with a real estate agent, take a look. You might be negotiating with an IS or an SI. Very, very likely. Because it's a people person business. Same with mortgage brokers, insurance agents, financial advisors, et cetera, et cetera. Stock brokers, people businesses, lots of ISs, SIs. Or at least a behavioral profile that starts with one of the two. Because they like the activities that equate to success, okay? S's are steady and stable. They're good listeners, they're reserved. Like I said earlier, they're what Hollywood wants the hero to be. Even keel, steady, don't show a lot of a lot of emotion, just professional. In general, they're just professional. They don't have big highs and lows, ups and downs. You don't see them get excited or sad. They just keep it even keel, extremely professional in their approach. If you can't tell what somebody is when you're trying to identify them, Oftentimes they are an S, okay? They wanna understand things first. They don't just say, show me what to do and I'll do it or who knows how to do it and I'll go to them. Instead, it's why do I do it? I wanna understand why. They do not like change. They don't like any change at all. They kinda of like to stay in their rhythm. They're steady. They don't like their rhythm changed. Notice how when I'm talking about an S, my rate of speech starts to slow down because they are much more slow talkers. They analyze things a little bit more. They, they're motivated by benefits. They're the only logical person out of all four. They're not motivated by flattery. They're not motivated by a challenge. They're motivated by what do I get out of this? They are the true logical approach. 
These other profiles think they're logical, but naturally they're not. Only the S logically likes to analyze. That's why they move a little bit slower as they're analyzing to determine what they do. They want to understand things first before they do something, okay? And that's the idea behind it. From a negotiation standpoint, make sure you're very patient with them, with an S, okay? They're a little bit more indecisive. If you've ever recruited and you've recruited an S behavior, it's like extracting a wisdom tooth. It takes a very long time because they're assessing a lot. So you're extracting a wisdom tooth with your with your hand. It takes a while. You got to work it. Got to stay with them. You got to get through all that back and forth and indecisiveness. That's the S. They're a little bit slower. So be very patient. They'll often waffle back and forth. Don't let it frustrate you. Don't think that we're, that's their character trait that they're wishy-washy. It's not, they're just indecisive because they're still analyzing. They need time to process, right? So take your time with an S in negotiation. You, it's not like a D, you're not gonna offend them. They appreciate it. They absolutely appreciate it, right? Also try to relate to them like we would an I the same way. Try to find people in common. That'll make them feel more comfortable with you. They want to trust you. If we know people in common, that'll increase the level of trust for your negotiation, okay? Oftentimes when they waffle back and forth and they drag this thing out, it's because they, they want to avoid conflict. They don't want to say no. So if you are waffling back and forth, that's when that needs analysis comes in handy. You want to go back and revisit their motivation to remind them why they're doing this in the first place. S's need the needs analysis more than anyone. Because as they waffle, we got to remind them, remember, there's a reason we're doing this. Because that's is oftentimes, that's their biggest weakness. Everybody wants to be an S. Hollywood wants you to be S. Everybody tries to act like an S. The only negative to be an S is you don't often change. You don't actually often change your behavior to do what you need to do to get the results you want. You stay put. So you can help an S by revisiting their motivation, bringing those motivations, that future pleasure and future pain to the forefront of their brain so they actually take action and make that change they're so afraid of, right? So one way to do that is give them options, like multiple choice options to decide. A, we could do it this way. B, we could do it this way. Or even C, we could do it this way. How do those sound to you? Now you're giving them some control. There's some decisions. We're actually agreeing to get into action, just not quite sure which path. And then we can start working on the path that works for them. It's a great thing to do. Multiple choice options for a C or very, very, or for an S are very, very powerful. Okay, moving on. Now, finally, we've got the C behavior. Okay, they're very complex. Just think of an engineer. They're very compliant and accurate. They're detail oriented. They're control oriented. Spreadsheets, data. Um, they're they're all about accuracy, and because of that, they move very slow and precise because they're so data and compliance oriented, they often speak in a monotone. They don't have much voice inflection at all, right? They're not sure they're gonna do anything. They don't ever wanna make a mistake because their biggest fear is criticism. So they move even slower, so slow, so as to never come close to making a mistake. They are risk adverse people. Unfortunately, oftentimes they, they make all decisions based on fear. What's the worst thing that could happen? I want to avoid that. Okay. They will do it right no matter how long it takes. And if they can't get it done, they'll quit. That's the C. The problem with the C is they analyze a lot of data. They love data. And sometimes they love data so much they, 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 they don't know how to equate what's the most important data to analyze. 
they'll get hung up on that barbecue in the backyard and whether it's gas or electric, you know, over, you know, an $800,000 house. They don't know how to weigh things evenly. So you got to help them with that. Be aware of that. That's not because they're stupid. It's because they're a C. They're actually highly intelligent. They just don't give everything equal weight. So again, when you're negotiating with the C, make sure that they have some charts and data in writing, preferably. Anything you can put in a spreadsheet or in writing to give them time to analyze it and regurgitate it, do it. Like I said, they offer, often overanalyze trivial facts, so bear with them on that, right? Don't do any small talk or rapport building. They don't care about your personal relationship or who you know, only data that is somehow relevant to the negotiation, okay? They need that time. If you give them data, that gives them trust. Once they decide, there will be absolutely no waffling. They are locked in. So try to prevent them from deciding as long as possible so they don't decide against you. Because once they decide, very hard to put that back in the box. Very hard. Okay, that makes it very, very tough, all right? Now, so that's our idea. Let's talk a little bit about how to mirror each of these when they come across, okay? And to do that, I'm gonna show you a slightly different chart here. And this is your disk profile chart. And this kind of describes a little bit about each one here, okay? And it kind of talks about what they, what they prefer. With the Ds here, you know, from their profile, they are dominant and they are good at overcoming challenges and problem solving. They're usually the head decision maker and, and they're headed risk taking too. They are comfortable in challenging competitive environments. They always have a growth mindset. So they want to go, they want to do better. They want to move forward. They like change. Everything is emphasizing the future. So we talk future pacing. Well, you know what I mean? You can be very positive about future prospects. They put a high priority on products and challenges. So anything that's on their back that we can negotiate, if they're gonna, if, if I give you this, you, you're gonna go crazy with it. You're gonna blow up and they'll, they'll believe you on that. Whereas an S and C probably wouldn't, right? They do evaluations focused on, do evaluations of them focused on personal results. So like, if we're actually gonna flatter them or talk about what they've done, do it based on their results, measurable results. Like, man, you sold a lot of real estate. Or wow, you really got that deal closed. Things like that, okay? They're driven by monetary. They have an appetite for efficiency. They don't want their time wasted and they want a bottom line, right? Um, they want to see the profit. They don't want their time wasted. So we got to move quick in negotiations. Don't stall back and forth. It will become frustrated with you. Communicate back and forth. If you do communicate, whether it be in writing or verbally, make sure you use bullet point, okay? Bullet points. Don't give them long essays. They hate that stuff, okay? So with the D, you know, with the D, you're gonna to have to talk quickly. You're gonna move fast, quick, quick, quick to the point, not a loss, and then shut up. So you talk fast and shut up, okay? Don't talk on and on and on and on and on, or they're gonna start, their eyes are gonna roll back and they're gonna stop paying attention to you, okay? With the I behavior, moving over to your I behavior, we can go on and on and on, right? Let them talk those, let that eye go. They're gonna talk a lot. So let that Marlin run, like we talked about. Let them tire out, don't cut them off. Let them get a word in edgewise, cause they wanna talk. So you talk, make them feel comfortable. 
Be very positive in your tones and they'll be positive back. They care about your voice inflections. So don't, you know, don't, don't be talking in a negative. Don't talk down to them. Stay really positive and flatter in your conversation, right? Let them speak a lot, open dialogue. Let them tell you stories. Be flexible with them. They want to enjoy themselves. So let them go for a while. Again, you can talk very, very fast. But as we move over to the S profile, then we have to start slowing the rate of speech to mirror them. Then we can, again, just like with the eyes, and you know, we can start dropping names of people we knew. We can talk more about feelings, emotions, how that makes you feel. We can get vulnerable in our conversations. No abrupt changes. Make sure they have time to talk because they won't jump in like the I and they won't carry on like the I. So that's with an S to get them to really, really do a good needs analysis and explain what their motivators are. You're going to have to dig more out of them, right? So you're going to have to say questions like, hey, so tell me more about that. What made you feel that way? You're going to have to keep digging and keep inviting them to keep talking because they're very professional and, and they don't want to overstep. You'll make them, you, this will make them feel safe and secure. They seek that approval, right? So make sure you keep inviting them in. You need to be extremely inviting and approachable in your conversation style. Okay. And it's good to like express emotion with both the S and the I. If they say something sad, you get down there and you're sad with them too. So, oh man. But if they're happy, you're like, wow, that's so great. That's so great. Make sense? If you're on Zoom or in person with the S, I'd keep my hands down by my side. But if I'm with an I, man, I'm going to talk with my hands because eyes are very tough. I mean, they talk, they might lean forward, they might lean back, they have big smiles, ah, oh, oh, you know, all over the place. The S, keep it tight, steady, secure, slower. My voice inflections come together a little bit. The I, I'm all over the place. The D can be all over the place too, just faster. Not quite so much emotion in your voice. Make sense? Then when we roll into the C behavior, okay, the C behavior is last. That is, again, definitely not a lot of crazy all over the place stuff, okay? With the C behavior, again, data-driven, so it's much slower. Now it's domo oregato, Mr. Roboto. I mean, we are getting very, very dry and robotic in our conversation. It's nothing but the facts. Keep out of the social stuff. No relating to other people. Keep the conversation limited to the actual facts at hand that we're discussing. Make it relevant. You get outside of relevant, they don't respect you. They think you're a salesman or a small talker. You're not serious enough for them. Therefore, you're not intelligent enough for them. Therefore, they're superior to you. Therefore, they're not going to connect with you or relate to you. But let them control the conversation. Control is everything to a C. I swear a C stands for control as much as it stands for calculated compliance. So let them take control and dictate where you're headed. Even though certain things are irrelevant, don't tell them 
that they're irrelevant. They are very self-reliant people. They do not rely on who's and other people at all. It's just them and Google search for all their data and all their research. Okay. So make sure we stay in that very controlled, calculated, compliant behavioral profile where we give that control up. We keep those hands by our side. We talk in a monotone. And when we are talking, we throw some pauses in between our words. So the C has a chance to process and the C can interject questions and thoughts and ideas into those gaps in your, in your conversation. Very, very important. Okay. Very, very important. Lastly, we're going to move into how to identify these people. This is the beauty of the DISC assessment, right? How do we spot these people without getting them to take the assessment? We get in a negotiation. What is it we can do to spot who these people are? Okay. That's important because again, we can't assess everybody we're negotiating with or every client we're negotiating with or every other agent we're negotiating with or home inspector we're negotiating with or appraiser we're negotiating with or all the different people we negotiate with in real estate, including our own clients. It's very, very challenging, right? So to do that, how do we do it? How do we spot it? Well, you can do it a lot of ways, right? Okay. The D behavior. The first thing I'll say is that they, I can draw a line right down the middle. If they talk fast, they're either a D or an I. If they talk fast, if they talk slower and more measured, they are either an S or a C. So that's easy. You should be able to divide this in half in a heartbeat just by rate of speech. That's the first place I start is rate of speech. If they talk fast, they're over here. If they talk slow, they're over here. Now to determine whether they're an S or a C is very, very hard. Determining whether an I or a D can be hard. Basically, but not as hard as an S and a C. So let's start over here with the D and the I. If, if they don't shut up, they're an I. If they do shut up and they're blunt to the point and quick, they're a D. If they, if the D, the I will also have a lot of like voice inflections. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Oh, wow. That's terrible. D's aren't going to talk like that. A D just going to be right to it. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, really quick. The I's will actually, their voices will go up and down and, and all over the place. They'll say words that express feelings. They'll say things like, wow, that's so great. I'm so happy for you. D's don't go that far with you. They don't go into the emotion or the feeling behind the statement. Makes sense? So the eyes will get a lot of emotion out there, a lot of feeling out there, a lot of expression out there, a lot of voice inflection, a lot of tonality changes where the D just gonna be right to it and they're gonna shut up faster. S and the C, way harder. S and C is probably the hardest thing to spot. The C behavior, they're like I said, they're a little bit more robotic. So the S will actually have feelings. They'll talk about people. They'll actually relationship build. If you start talking about your spouse, they'll become interested. The C will become disinterested. They'll back up from you. Often look down or think about something else. So you can test it that way. Bringing in your family, your kids. The C will break rapport, maybe cross their hands, look aside, think about something else, check their paperwork. And that's will actually engage and want to know more about you, the person. Make sense? C's, you know, the S will, um, again, you'll, you, you will get some tonality in their voice, whereas the C is going to be a little bit dry and more robotic. A C will also take control more abruptly. Um, the S people pleases more and lets you drive the bus. The C is going to not like all your questions on the needs analysis and start asking you questions and try to speed things up and take control of the conversation. 
Like, well, let's talk about the facts. I mean, I think this is kind of, they'll get, they'll get frustrated when you dig deep into their motivations. They don't see how that's relevant. They're going to move right into the facts and the negotiating. They won't move fast into them. They'll be very slow once they're in them, but they'll, they'll take control to get over to that conversation and out of things that make them feel vulnerable or talk about their emotions. They'll be a little bit more abrupt. If you ever worked with an engineer, you know what I'm talking about. Slow, back and forth, analyzes everything, hard time making a decision, indecisive, fear-based, but also abrupt and intelligent. That's the C. I mean, you can pick this stuff up by what they wear. I mean, the difference between a D and an I is simple. You know, their facial expressions, they have lots of them. They're happy, their eyebrows go up, they go down, whereas Ds and Cs are a little bit more straight at you. S's and I's are people people, so they have lots of facial expressions. I's and D's talk with their hands. S's and C's sit on their hands. So you got to literally sit on your hands. I'm a D, so I have to sit on my hands when I'm talking to an S or a C. And I have to put those pauses in. If, the way, if you've never taken a disassessment and my current rate of speech drives you crazy, you are a D or an I. If you're cool with this, and you're finally happy that I've slowed down, you are an S or a C. Simple as that. So you wanna provide great customer service, you talk at the, at the rate of speed they do. That's customer service, you're talking on their vibe, right? We talked about it last time, we were talking about mirroring, man. You don't wanna speak Spanish to a bunch of English speakers, speakers and vice versa, right? But I mean, the eye, you can, I mean, it could be what they're wearing too. Eyes will just wear flamboyant clothing, colors that's bouncing off the walls. A lot of time dressing up, whereas that D, they don't. You know, they're quick, whatever they got on quicker. You know, it's like a jumpsuit, you know, <laughs> sweats, whatever. They're just getting right after it. You know, you can see by the cars they drive, eyes wear lots of jewelry, lots of stuff, lots of bling. Look at me, look at me. That's your eye. Lots of attention. They want to be the center of it. S's and C's will be much more demur in their, in their presentation. The C, never going to be underdressed. They don't like to go to the grocery store and sweats. Everything's put together. That bolt, that shirt is tucked and that belt is buckled. Make sense? They keep it together. There's a little bit of a perfectionist tendency in the seat. Every bit of everything. I know you're all thinking about your spouses now and your teammates and all that. It's kind of fun to watch you all laughing at each other. But that's the uh, that, that's what always that's why it's so fun to learn this stuff. But I'm telling you, that's why I can't buy groceries without trying to assess the lady at the checkout aisle. Like how fast is she moving? How tall is she moving? Is she an I or is she a D? You know, or she's moving slow. One of those checkers is like deep, deep. You know, you're like, ah, that's, you know, you, you can tell what they are. You can tell what they are. And the minute you tell what they are, even though they were frustrating you, once you get them nailed down, it's amazing the amount of tolerance it creates because you're aware of their profile and that's just who they are. And you don't blame them anymore. You don't say they're slow or they're lazy. It creates a certain level of tolerance that enables you to mirror your behavior and be more tolerant of their difference from you. So that's why the disc is so great at analyzing team situations, hiring situations, you know, 
you know, all, you know, any, any, you use the disc in everything because it creates a little bit of tolerance where people are just more appreciative and understanding of other people. So it does a lot of good in the world because once you realize it's not because they're lazy or slow or hungover or just erratic or on drugs or because they're going too fast. Once you realize it's just the differences in people and you got different people at different seats on the bus, it creates a lot of tolerance. You start to become appreciative of those differences, you know, because, you know, different situations call for different profiles and different behaviors. You know, I'm not a high C behavior, but I'd be very happy if some of the people on my administrative staff are, because I need people to dot the I's and cross the T's. Just happy I don't have to do it, right? So I appreciate those differences for their strengths, right? The same thing is true in a negotiation where you're trying to get on somebody else's side. Once we assess and identify what they are, then all of a sudden we can identify who they are. Really quickly, I wanna show you this on this disc style identification chart, which I'm gonna share with you guys. You can see on here, it says, don't keep information to yourself. Press, don't pressure for immediate decisions, give them time. Don't be too chatty. Do give detailed info, do answer questions patiently, do give time to think and decide. With the S's, do slow down and take your time, provide insurance and support and give enough time to decide. Don't be restless pressure for action, make sudden changes, or ever fail to deliver on promises. They want to trust you. That's the S. It's a deep, deep, deep one-on-one -on -one relationship that they want. So trust is everything. I, same deal. Show enthusiasm, smile, chat, focus on the positive, make it fun, but let that I talk. Don't put down their enthusiasm. Focus. Don't focus on details. Stay on top. Stay macro. Don't go down a bunny trail. Don't react negatively, always be positive. Don't reject them or they'll freak out. And the D, do give immediate feedback. Stay on topic because they are time sensitive and maintain result orientation. Let them think they win. Do not frustrate their desire to take action. Don't say, don't tell them to be patient or calm down. Don't restrict their power. Let them be dominant like the C. And D, and finally, spend, don't spend time on non-essentials. Get right to the point, bottom line it. That's the key. So that, in a nutshell, is your disc. I mean, that's, that's how we identify them. We talked about how to mirror them. And we've also talked about the general core concepts of describing each one and how to, you know, so you know, knowledge about all of them as well, too. Um, you get to that level, you can mirror better. If you can mirror better, you can have a more effective needs analysis and get yourself out of an adversarial opponent situation into people on the same page trying to get to the same end, which will give you a more positive solution to that negotiation. So I hope that helps. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch Brian's training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or find us on social media. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they're available.